Up next, a question from you from the theatre of really nice sounding ideas. Why don't we just capture CO2 using renewable energy and make carbon neutral synthetic fuel? That's next. I'm John Cadogan from AutoExpert.com.au and I get new cars cheap. Australia only. Website. Card. Now, I've got this question here from a dude named Lachlan Richmond Smith. Hyphenated. I like that. It's classy, isn't it? Anywho, questions of this nature often fail to orbit planet complexity, planet scale, planet difficulty. They kind of come up with nice sounding ideas that are more or less a soundbite and they fail to address these things like scale and complexity and difficulty to solve. And if you fail to address all of that, dude, you can fix anything. It's just three beers, get the right amount of neck oil into you, and the world is your oyster. So with that in mind, I'll leave it to you to assess whether or not this is all pie in the sky stuff, but I'm firmly leaning that way. Lockie goes... This is where e-fuels come in. Keep the mobility inherent in internal combustion engine vehicles, but use renewable energy to capture CO2 and produce carbon neutral drop-in fuels. <laughs> I think he means, you know, pour-in fuels, but yeah, sounds good, doesn't it? Why people are so hung up on EVs, I'll never know, he says. Now, people hung up on EVs, well, mainly EVs are being deployed because the infrastructure's out there in the street, dude, the poles and the wires. It allows you to recharge at home and we haven't got to put hydrogen infrastructure everywhere or something or these massive capital works programs, which we'll get to in just a second. So let's address this first part of the question about e-fuels, presumably synthetic style fuels built from captured CO2 and carbon neutrality and all of that stuff. Now, King Arthur moment again. Today's pointer is the Excision Magnetic Swarf Wand. The reason I'm using it two presentation in a row is because somebody said to me in the comments, I think it was actually twice, two different people said, yeah, okay, but what's it for? Well, it's magnetic and it's a swarf wand. So just joining the dots here, I'd be picking up steel swarf with it, you know, filings and chips and all of that stuff that comes off various steel cutting operations when I reconfigure and go out of TV studio mode and into uh, ghetto workshop mode. So here's some swarf I prepared just the other day cutting up a couple of steel beams just there. Now, this stuff is a proper pain in the ass to pick up. And so is, the, you know, the really sharp, like the razor sharp uh, swarf that comes off drill presses and lathes and thing of that nature. So you get it on the tip of your wand, so to speak, and then you just invert your wand like that and you pull this handle here. I can't get it all in the same shot. But anyway, you pull your handle and your swarf just falls off yo wand as if by magic into yo dirty old swarf bucket. So that's nice. Anywho, 
Let us orbit this issue of scale and complexity, shall we? Because if you're just saying to yourself in your shed with your neck oil, you're saying, oh, we'll just capture the CO2 and then we'll use renewable energy to make liquid fuel and thus the cycle of life continues, then you've got to come to grips with the size of the problem. And the size of the problem would be how much liquid fuel do we drink here in Australia? And the answer to that would be 30 billion litres. The problem with that is people drop numbers on you all the time like that. They go, oh, there's 20 billion stars in the sky. And you go, oh, yeah, okay. So <laughs> let's try and wrap our brain around our annual liquid hydrocarbon drinking problem, which is 30 billion litres comprising roughly 20 of petrol and roughly 10 of diesel. So if we want to build a box to put that in, a shandy, a two-for-one shandy of petrol and diesel, then what we need is, let's start with a football field on the base. So we'll go 100 metres that way and 100 metres this way and we'll lay a foundation and we'll build the bottom of a box and then all we've got to do is extend the walls up high enough to hold 30 billion litres, okay? So just between you and me, like you have a guess. How tall do the walls have to be to hold 30 billion litres? If your guess is three k's high, like 3,000 metres high, then go to the top of the friggin' class, dude, because that's how big the box has to be. And it is, of course, totally impractical to build a rectangular box this way. Where would you put it afterwards, for example? And it would be roughly, just slightly less than four times higher than the Burj Khalifa, the Mission Impossible window open, Tom Cruise hanging out there with the magnetic glove, the suction glove thingo, you know. So that's a big box, I'd suggest. So therefore, this is a big problem. And we've got to capture enough carbon dioxide so that we can reverse engineer the fuel equation to build our synthetic fuel. And if we do this, how much does 30 billion litres of fuel weigh? Well, it's 800 grams per litre. So that's about... 24 billion kilos, which is about 24 million tonnes, and it's about 80% carbon by mass, so that's about 20 billion kilos of carbon, which is 20 million tonnes of elemental carbon, which we would need to extract from our captured CO2, and CO2 is less than a third elemental carbon by mass, so we would need about 60 billion kilos of CO2 or 60 million tonnes. So that's kind of a big problem. And it, literally, big, that's the operative word, right? And we've got to think about where are we going to get this CO2 from? And I'd suggest that if we take it from coal or oil or gas burning operations such as power plants or we take it from the steam reforming of methane to produce industrial hydrogen, then we're really starting with hydrocarbons and capturing the CO2 from them and producing liquid fuel, which is hardly carbon neutral, right? What we're just having is a second crack at the carbon that is already being emitted by industry. That's not carbon neutral. It's not negative, but it's not carbon neutral. And it also builds an industry like the e-fuel, synthetic fuel industry, off the back of the ongoing exploitation of these resources. So that's kind of a problem. And we're not talking about industrial scale here. We're talking about 
mega industry scale like this is frigging huge and i'd suggest the only place we could hope to capture the co2 is out of the air itself like that's the only thing that makes sense right drag it out of the air and then reduce or at least stabilize the amount of carbon in the air by keeping dragging it out of the air and there's some real problems with getting the exhaust for example out of a coal-fired power station because it's not just co2 it's like co2 and liquid water and impurities and a whole bunch of nitrogen that's just warmed up on the way through because if you take a nice deep breath now like and just don't hold it to the point of passing out like what would be the point you know you've probably got about five liters of air in your lungs if you're a reasonably big strapping young lad and you're reasonably fit okay and four of those liters is just nitrogen gas because air is by mass it's like uh 78% uh, sorry by volume it's 78% nitrogen gas and 21% oxygen gas and 1% everything else. So we're really looking at filtering air out and taking a tiny fraction of it out and capturing it, which is kind of difficult, okay? And there's a lot of nitrogen in all the exhaust and a lot of impurities. So there's problems industrially with doing any of this just capture CO2 thing. What we're really talking about is finding the needle of CO2 in the haystack of the air we're all breathing now. Irrespective, let's just make like Dyson and suck CO2 out of the air. And CO2 is about 400 parts per million in the air we're breathing now, which means it's about one part for every two and a half thousand parts. So one ton of CO2, two and a half thousand ish tons of air kind of thing okay and that means we need to filter or otherwise chemically deal with two and a half million cubic meters of air to get about a ton of co2 and that's a hell of a big job just on its own and we need 60 million tons so this turns that into rather a lot of air like 150 billion tons of air ballpark all right and the only way i can think of extracting effectively the CO2 out of air is to distill it out. In other words, we just get air, we just get air, and we chill it the fuck out to about minus 80 degrees C. And the CO2 suspended in the air, mixed in the air as a gas, would fall out onto the floor as dry ice. And we could just sweep it up and put it in a box and then take it to our factory when we've got enough and use it as the feedstock to turn CO2 into e-fuel, okay? Sound like a plan? Luckily enough, we know exactly how much energy it would take to do that by virtue of this really spooky thing called the specific heat of whatever, you know. Everything's got a specific heat. Air's got a specific heat, water's got a specific heat. The specific heat of air is really easy to remember. It's about one kilojoule per kilo per K per degree C sort of thing, K degree C. Different zero, same steps kind of thing, okay? Which is a million joules per ton per degree C, okay? That's how this works. And we've got 150 billion tons of air to process. This is a big job. You're not doing this in the shed at home, okay? It's just not gonna work that way. So we need 15 trillion megajoules of energy to do this job, right?
This is like a brain-bending number. Don't even try to conceptualize it. 15 megajoules is about 4.2 kilowatt hours. So we need 4.2 trillion kilowatt hours of photovoltaics to get this job done. 4.2 trillion kilowatt hours. Okay, so the battery in uh, Kona Electric is about 66 kilowatt hours, the big battery, okay? We need 4.2 trillion kilowatt hours. That's a lot of electricity. So I'm looking at that like this, okay? There's incident sunlight on planet Earth is about a thousand watts for every square meter of land, okay? If the sun's kind of directly overhead, incident radiation is about a thousand watts. And photovoltaics has some real limits. The, not all of the spectrum causes the photovoltaic effect and there's other physical reasons why the efficiency of solar cells is limited to about 20%. So really the electrical energy you can get out of that thousand watts is about 200 watts for every square meter. And if you do that for five hours a day, you're probably doing okay, dude, on average, because some days are overcast and other days it rains. And you know, some days the dust blows in and covers up your solar cells and the cleaning crew hasn't got there yet, whatever. But one kilowatt hour per day for every square meter of array, there's roughly 400 days a year, we're just ballparking it. It's about 400 kilowatt hours per year one square meter of solar array and 4.2 trillion kilowatt hours is going to need 4,200 billion that's 4,200 billion kilowatt hours just to extract the co2 we're going to need 10 billion square meters of photovoltaics one square one square kilometer is a million square meters so that means we need 10,000 square kilometers of photovoltaics to just capture the CO2 out of any air you choose, all right? That's going to require an array that's 100 kilometres by 100 kilometres. That's just the cells, okay? That's not the service roads and all of that other stuff that has to be built in for the cleaning crews and the maintenance crews and, you know, all of the stuff, replacing stuff that gets damaged. They're going to need access, so, you know... This is rather a large array. Like if you live in Sydney, that's from about Brooklyn to Wollongong and across to Katoomba kind of thing. In other words, every populated square inch of Sydney would be eclipsed by this array just to get the CO2 out of the air. This is a photovoltaic plant on an unheard of scale just for Australia. Let's say we do that. We get this bigger than the snowy hydro scheme political will thing happening. We build our massive array. We start capturing our CO2. Yes. <laughs> and we just go for the synthetic fuel. How do we do that? What do we do with it? Once we've got it, we've got all this CO2 in a box and now we have to turn it into liquid fuel and start burning it. <laughs> in your car. Petrol plus oxygen gas from the air, the 21% of air that's oxygen gas, right, turns into CO2 plus H2O and it liberates this massive amount of energy. Like liquid fuels is so good, they're so energy dense. It's about nine kilowatt hours per liter of petrol, okay? We can drive that process backwards, but we need a shit ton of energy to do it because of the second law of thermodynamics and the fact that processes are not intrinsically reversible, okay? Carbon dioxide plus water plus a shit ton of energy will make petrol as long as you do the right chemistry voodoo with it, okay? 
And I'd be suggesting very kindly, I think, that we can do that with 20% efficiency. So in other words, 20% of the energy we put in here turns into petrol and the other 80% is just wasted. That'd be a pretty good industrial process, by the way. Bear in mind that something nature figures out, like photosynthesis in practice, is about 2 to 5% efficient, depending on how you measure it, right? So 20% is staggeringly good going on the efficiency front, right? Now, 250 square metres of photovoltaics would yield about 5 litres a day, based on that assumption of 20% efficiency and this much energy coming out or going in kind of thing. So that's 2,000 litres a year, more or less, because there's about 400 days in a year, okay? 1,000 square metres will give you 8,000 litres a year, and that means that 125 square metres will give you 1 billion litres of liquid fuel if, if we can manage 20% efficiency. That's an array that's 11 kilometres by 11 kilometres, and we need 30 of them. And we'd probably put them sort of uh, in different geographic locations because why build a massive plant and then ship the fuel everywhere? It doesn't make sense, right? You'd build them where the consumption was going to be happening, you'd think, okay? So we build these 30 arrays, 11 kilometres by 11 kilometres, in addition to the massive array we've got to extract the CO2. And that's a total area of 65 kilometres by 65 kilometres for 4,000 square kilometres, not including the service roads, etc. So there's another massive photovoltaic project just to turn the CO2 into liquid fuels. One of the staggering scale problems with all of that is I doubt we produce that many photovoltaic cells on Earth every year. I just, I don't see us doing that, right? So you gotta ask yourself, how else could we do that? And the obvious answer is, well, we could let nature convert CO2 into a product that was easier to harvest than CO2 out of the air. Because nature's already doing that, that's what photosynthesis is, right? You get solar energy hitting leaves and chlorophyll helping out by being something of a catalyst, and CO2 plus energy plus hydrogen coming up through the roots equals some sort of cellulose, glucose, lignin kind of synthesis, depending on which plant and how advanced it is and where that thing has to go, right? So we could just harvest biomass. There's a couple of issues with biomass, though. I mean, there's no real issues with using waste like grass clippings and we could separate the wheat from the chaff and use the chaff or we could take everything that's unusable out of sugarcane or tea tree or any of these waste products, pea straw or Christ knows what, and just decompile that in our mad chemistry voodoo and turn carbohydrate waste like cellulose into liquid fuels. Okay, that's doable. And in fact, Porsche and HAF Global are doing that at the moment. They've got a pilot plan up and running. But that's a sideshow. We'll kind of get to that. If you actually use food crops, though, like you grow crops specifically to do this, then you enter the region of 
food versus fuel. And it's difficult to go there with so many of the Earth's population living in poverty, isn't it? Because then we're just planting out all these crops so that rich bastards in the West can drive their internal combustion cars while poor people in underdeveloped countries starve. That's unpalatable. It's in some uh, people's minds, at least, completely unethical to do that because food versus fuel, you've got to prioritise food because life and stopping people dying of hunger has to be more of a priority than making sure you can drive your KN to, you know, Dingo Piss Creek or something, right? So we could get biomass plus renewable electricity to make synthetic fuel. And the only issue there would be 60 million tonnes or more of biomass because we still need our 60 million tonnes of carbon dioxide or carbohydrate to yield the 20 million tonnes of carbon we need to make our 30 billion litres of fuel. And 60 million tonnes is a hell of a lot of B-doubles full of agricultural waste. Like, what's a B-double weigh? About 60 tonnes. So it's a million of those, and a B-double isn't all payload, dude. It's There is some truck there. So it's it's more than a million B-doubles full of bio-waste that have to be processed. Like, brain exploding at the complexity of managing all of that. I just pulled that down so that you can see how inherently shit the fat cave actually is when I'm not, you know, carefully choosing these shots to kind of minimise the perception of underlying chaos. Now, the final thing I wanted to talk to you about is if that is all so staggeringly complex and huge in scale and difficult to solve, then why is Porsche investing $100 million in a company you've never heard of called HIF Global, which has got this bozo the clown real name, like highly innovative fuels or something. Why is it doing that? And why is HIF Global even establishing this power plant? And I'd suggest the answer has nothing to do with saving the planet and everything to do with greenwashing on the balance of frigging probability. The reason for this is, right, what does HIF Global want? Okay, what do their management want? And the answer is they want to make money, okay? So what does Porsche want? Well, Porsche is obviously part of the Volkswagen group and they are obviously in desperate need of a bit of greenwashing because of, you know, 2015 and afterwards and all of that underlying criminality. So 100 million bucks is chump change for a company like the Volkswagen group. They can dump that into HIF Global and HIF Global will go, yes, because we can build an even bigger pilot plant now, can't we, with 100 million bucks. And that means... Porsche can greenwash the shit out of itself. HIF Global can build an even bigger plant turning agricultural waste into liquid fuels. And Porsche can take the fuels racing and say, look at how fucking green we are. Yes. Just like that. And then what is likely to happen is that an even bigger institution like ExxonMobil or something of that nature can buy... HIF Global because then they can greenwash the shit out of themselves with an even bigger pilot plant turning agricultural waste 
into liquid fuel. And there's nothing wrong with turning the waste into the fuel. That's fine if that's what you want to do. But suggesting that you are at the tip of the spear of saving the planet, that's fucking disgraceful. It flat out is. It's disgraceful if it's just used as a PR campaign because there is not enough agricultural production in the world to make the waste to power humanity's liquid fuel requirements. It just doesn't exist. Collecting it is incredibly labour, energy, physically intensive. It's just not going to work. It's going to be a frigging sideshow. That's just how this is, okay? And there's really no getting around it. So everyone gets what they want. Volkswagen, Porsche get their greenwashing. HIF Global get their money. They get to scale up. They get to slut themselves out to an even bigger, even more filthy institution who can buy in and greenwash themselves even more heavily. And the former directors of HIF Global can retire to the south of fucking France or wherever it is that they desire to retire to after they're out of it. And then what I'd suggest is the only problem is that the planet is in roughly the same climate predicament that it's already in today and no real effective action has actually been taken. <laughs>